Hello, you are now tuned into Almost 30 Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And it's such a funny thing that you did that. I can't believe it. Welcome. (laughs) We try to change it up when we we introduce the show and it just feels weird in our mouth. (laughs) Yes. I'm like trying to, because you don't want, you want novelty. Totally. We want novelty. We want no routine. We want novelty. And mm-hmm. after six years, we got to make keep it fresh, baby. Keep it fresh, baby. Welcome to the show. It's Lindsay Simsick and Krista Williams. Uh, we are best friends in real life. It's true. Do not believe the tabloids. Yes. Wouldn't it be crazy if we had tabloids writing about us? That's my hell. Be good. It'd be good No, my press. number one hell is having my feet on like a celebrity foot page. Hmm. Okay. My feet are... Unreal. <laughs> Unreal. She's a Pisces. She's a mermaid. It's you a get, thing. You get the It's gist. a vibe. I'm not going to say more because then you'll look. But it is quite the vibe. So I've thought about that. Like they'll have like Reese Witherspoon has beautiful, delicate te- feet. They have like weird shit. The internet's so weird. <laughs> Anyways, if you're new, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you. We've been doing this for about six years mm-hmm. before it was cool. Um, and we talk about things like health, wellness, spirituality, mindset, personal growth. And also every once in a while, we have a good old finance conversation mm-hmm. just to make sure we're all brushed up and feeling good about our financial wellness. Yeah, financial wellness is a thing. I didn't realize how much uh, shame I had around it in my 20s. I didn't realize like just how much um, energy was being held there. It was like a block for me. And so to be able to have conversations, to be able to actively learn and get curious has been so liberating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people don't talk about that getting older. It's nice to have money. It's very nice. Whether it's a little bit more or a lot more. Yeah. That's a good part about getting older. Mm -hmm. People shit on getting older. I'm like, it's kind of nice to not. I remember in my 20s just being so paycheck to paycheck. Yes. Even worse. Mm -hmm. Like, it was very hard. It was very, very hard and very stressful. And, you know, according to so many of Nicole's books and her advice, it's like, you don't need to be a millionaire to live like a really beautiful rich life, you know, like you can be very smart and strategic and automated with your money to build wealth over time. Yeah. We had um, Sophie on our social media team here. So sweet. She was talking about, you know, our conversation with, with Nicole. Sometimes it can be intimidating too, where you meet someone like her that knows so much. It can feel like I'm never going to know that much. Mm -hmm. And that's really the point of conversations like this is as voyeurs of what we're talking about and what we're discussing today, you can learn as much as you need and then hopefully apply it to your life. Yeah, definitely. And her new book, Miss Independent, uh, this is a simple 12-step plan to start investing and grow your own wealth. She also wrote Rich Bitch, Boss Bitch, Becoming Superwoman, and her newest book is Miss Independent. But I love this one because I feel like investing is like in the zeitgeist with whether it's crypto or other investments. The economy, inflation. Yeah. So- The war- Yes. It is very much in the zeitgeist. And I feel like as we're coming out of the COVID years a little bit, you know, things are just shifting there. It's been more of a focus to talk about the Mm -hmm. economy, to talk about money, especially with cryptocurrency and NFTs. So we talked about that with her. We talked about owning a house. We talked about um, maybe you are living paycheck to paycheck. How could you approach investing? What would be the things that you need to look for and to do? We talked about... um, right now in the collective, like what is sort of percolating as far as real estate, as far as inflation, as far as like what the market's doing, how we can be mindful. Because I think that's something for me where I'm always like, 
nervous to put more money in the market mm-hmm. because it feels like yeah. something's going to happen. Totally. And I, I do like her, you know, more simple, somewhat conservative approach to investing too, where it's kind of like the boring stuff yes. where it's like, you know, investing in index funds and leveraging compound interest. It's like, okay, you know, it's not like that quick hit like yes. a crypto might be at times. Yes. But over time, you know, she gave this crazy example of if you start investing $100 a month in your 20s, you'll have a million dollars by the time you retire. If you start 10 years later, say when you're 35, you'll have $300,000. And that's all compound interest. It's really super fascinating. And you don't think that $100 a month, what? what can that do? But Mm -hmm. super powerful. Yeah. I love this one. I love when we talk about money and, you know, the conversation around crypto and NFTs. It's like, it's so interesting because everyone has such varying opinions. You know, Mm -hmm, my Justin is in the space of crypto and NFTs. And so I hear something totally different than like what Mm -hmm. traditional finance and what other people in finance hear. So I'm always just like, huh, whatever. You know, we have these conversations to just be open about everything. Mm-hmm. So if something feels like it's not a fit for you, obviously take take what you need and leave what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Again, her new book is Miss Independent and you can find her on Instagram, Nicole Lappin. She's also on TikTok. Yes. Okay. Oh, she's on our TikTok too. She's on our TikTok. So check so out our TikTok. So we be TikToking and I was like trying <laughs> to throw ideas. I was like, okay, POV. <laughs> You're two podcasters. And <laughs> I was pitching all these POV ideas. Because <laughs> that's like the only ones I see, POV. I know, man. You just I, got I home scroll, and I don't scroll it. I'm happy. I'm happy. Like Yeah. I don't I don't scroll, but the, there's this one person I, I look at for inspiration. She's yes. always doing POV. POV. It's, it's so it's so crazy how filtered it's like. I realize now watching TikTok how filtered and perfect Instagram's like. Oh yeah, totally. You're like, whoa, you just are gonna do that and wear that and say that on TikTok. Mm -hmm. And on Instagram, it's like filtered, curated, Mm -hmm. you know, the feed, the grid and TikTok's like wild. Wild. Yeah. It's cool. It's great. (laughs) We're on it. You better follow us. I think I'm too old because I'm like, oh, I don't want to be. I actually have an insecurity about just being ripping on there because I don't know. It Mm. feels like. There's there's one part of it where it's like I understand the gravity of what I say and what I do and its mm-hmm. impact I guess on on my future and on people if you're just kind of ripping and roaring but then also there's like that feeling like you want to be prepared or you want to be value based or you want to be like perfect I don't yes. even know I know I just have no desire to be on another platform of and course. create more content on another platform literally it's probably lazy but I'm like think about I just how- feel like it's like it's like milking it makes me leaky <laughs> I'm just like my energy's for me yes <laughs> also I mean think about that is like a great trap where they just got all these people mm-hmm. sitting around consuming and creating content for these things I know they're like That's okay you guys are tapering we've got TikTok I know keep on your phones <laughs> creating and yeah there's yeah it's freaking fascinating Anyways, we're on TikTok. We're yeah, having so a great, great time. Yeah, follow us there. We're having a great time. <laughs> we're having an existential crisis. Yes, but. <laughs> yes. We have clips from the show. We have tips. It's like just a great resource. And then Almost 30 Podcast on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then Nicole's books, you can get anywhere. You can get anywhere books are sold. Miss Independent is really good. And then there's the OG. My favorite is Rich Bitch. Rich Bitch is insane. Insane. Yeah. It's a good one. It's a great one. I have like 85 pages in there that are doggy-eared. I like took all these notes. It was like my first 
finance, finance book. book. Wow. Yes. It was that and another friend of ours. I was like, okay, these are these are where I'm going to learn I will teach everything. you to be rich. I will teach you to be rich. Yeah, Ramit, I will teach you to be rich is bomb too. Mm-hmm. And then a happy pocket full of money is really good. Mm-hmm. Think and grow rich is really good. Yeah. Those are like Napoleon more than Hill. Mm-hmm. Mm. He wrote this other book called Outwitting the Devil and mm. I bought it because it's famous and I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> it's literally him channeling the devil and having a conversation with him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were tricked. <laughs> I was I was bamboozled. I was like, well, it's interesting because the point of it is to understand how the devil, from his perspective, controls people mm. and controls the masses. So you understand, I guess, like oh, wow. the ways in which you're being controlled or manipulated or used. So that was his perspective on it. It was interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. You kind of get it after five pages. <laughs> like, it's like the I devil. get it. Yeah. I was like, what else? I don't want any more. He's like, you guys are smoking cigarettes. Good. <laughs> cigarettes was like one of his ways. No way. Yeah. This is like an old book, but yeah. Crazy. Wow. Not crazy. Surprised. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. Make sure you're subscribed to Almost 30. If you're called to leave a review, it is something that means so much to both Krista and I. We read them. We love them. And it's just a great way to support us. Um, and also make sure that you're following Almost 30 on Instagram at Almost 30 Podcast. I am at Lindsay Simsick. And I'm at It's Krista. All right, y'all. Enjoy this one. We'll see you on the other side. See you soon. We did an event together after that, though. So we I were. Know, that event was so nice. So we were not fully apart. Yeah, we're never God. apart. We're never apart. We're close at heart. And so we, yeah, because we had our first pod and then we did that event. And I remember the first pod because I had read Rich Bitch and I was like, oh, this, this woman's yeah. different. Oh. I put so many sticky notes in that damn book. Yes. I literally still have nice. it and pull it out. It's one of the, your books are those books. Voice of a Generation, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Put it's us really on true. the back of the book. We'll say, <laughs> voice of a generation, baby. <laughs> I have a quick detour. Is that a bottle of vodka? Where is it? Oh, this? No, it's $25 no, it's water. No, it's a $15 oh. bottle of water. <laughs> have you ever seen it? No. It's Nano Pure <laughs> Restructured Hyper Oxygenated. Like, yeah, it's like, what do they call it? It's like... um I don't know. I'm just... It's when I travel, it's like a little wonky. Yeah. So this really helps, actually. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. Really? Oh, yeah, I swear. Right, cool. What's I'll it called? It. It's called Ophora. Okay. It's $15. Yeah. It's so dumb. It's, it's got so like a dumb. medical grade amount of oxygen in yeah. it, which mm-hmm. makes it whatever. Okay. Don't, this isn't sponsored. Don't buy it. Don't buy anything. <laughs> Completely ignore this. But I actually do buy some too. And one time I bought a $25, $25 big jug of it and I poured it into a cup and my cat started drinking out of my cup and I just let her because that's what I do. And I wasn't going to drink after it, but then I lost like half of it because my cats drank out of it. Oh, hell no. I know. Yeah, no, no, no. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> my babies. Penny gets the tap. Penny gets. Um, wait, it was your birthday recently. Happy birthday. Thanks. I love the birthday post you did about like the lots of feelings on your birthday. Because yeah. my birthday was recent too. We have like similar birthdays. And Pisces. Pisces mm-hmm. sisters. And I was thinking about that, how your birthday is so many emotions and feelings. And I just wanted to kind of explore that a little bit because I felt like that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I think that a lot comes up on your birthday, right? Aside from just getting older, but so many memories. I had a shitty upbringing, as you guys know, and we've talked about on other shows. And so I always had shitty birthdays. Mm-hmm. And so I always tried to overcome compensate for them as an adult. And so 
For me, I just had a lot come up. Sorry, what did that look like? Overcompensating. Yeah, just like going balls to the wall with parties and theme parties and all the things that I didn't have. And so I wanted to give myself. So when people were like, that's a random birthday, like 32 is not a big deal. You shouldn't go all out as if it was a one with a zero. And I did. I mean, I, I think that we try to overcompensate for what we didn't have and give ourselves those things. And so that felt really empowering. And this birthday felt, you know, and I think too, as we get older as women, that fertility uh, conversation with yourself gets heavy. The mother conversation with yourself gets heavy. Um, And it felt, it felt heavy this year. And so I wanted to be honest about that. Oh, I love that. What do you do? Like, you know, when you do kind of feel that heaviness and like, it's just a lot, like what is your way of coping with that? So for me, it was gratitude. And Mm -hmm. so I, instead of having a party, which I had originally intended on doing, I felt like I should take all the things that I bought for that party. And we went to Venice um, and gave meals out Mm. to the people experiencing homelessness there. And then all the flowers that I had, I brought to a hospice in Mar Vista. Um, I didn't show that stuff on Instagram. Like, I don't want to be all about, you know, trying to do it for the wrong reasons. But, you know, it made me realize that I have so much. Like, I didn't need more flowers. And it was so lovely for people to send them to me and um, that I wanted to buy them uh, if other people came over. But I felt like people at the end of their life needed it more. And then I made a little ad hoc social experiment where I was giving out the cupcakes that I got and hugs to people in the park who also might have had a bad birthday in the Mm. past. And so I got a lot of hugs. That's so sweet. I always cry. Those videos where people are like blindfolded and they're like, do you need a hug? Yeah. I always Oh my gosh, I've never seen that. Oh, Oh, it's just so beautiful. You're always on the like emotional Instagram tip. (laughs) I love like beautiful like good feeling, yes. though emotional yeah. videos. Because I just, you don't see that in real life of a course. lot. You're just like- So performative. So is, that's so beautiful that you did that. Thank you. It's so performative. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Beautiful. I can't watch it. It just makes me too emotional. I well, love I it. Well, I did it for the holidays too. So another random act of kindness video where I went around asking for $5 um, to get home and- the person who gave it to me, I gave them a hundred bucks. Oh, wow. Oh, Jimmy Instead. Dart does that. Oh, yeah. Do you know Jimmy Dart? No. Oh, my God. You. Who is he? Who's what Jimmy Dart? With my life? Was he like a prankster? <laughs> what are no. we looking at at Instagram, Krista? <laughs> we're missing it. It's a similar idea. Like, he'll, like, yeah. exact same thing. It's just like, really, yeah. it's it's really beautiful because oftentimes the people that have the least are, are the most generous. Yeah. And you just realize the goodness of people. Yeah, I think for me, I always think about the flip, like with the hugging thing, you know, people being hugged. I'm like, oh my God, people need hugs that bad. And I'm I'm saying that not cruelly. I'm like, people need touch and hugs that Mm -hmm. bad that that's that affecting them. Mm -hmm. That's what makes me sad. Mm -hmm. Is that people are like, wow, that's so pretty. I'm like, but what's leading up to this? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Where it's like so abnormal to be hugging and touching. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. 
Dude. I mean, it's not the most COVID-friendly activity for sure. Hey, whatever. But to be fair, (laughs) we're out. It's time for war. With an asterisk, like show me your Vax card before you come in for a bear hug. Oh my goodness. Well, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really, really beautiful. Um, I'm excited about our conversation today centered around investing, your new book, Miss Independent. Um, It's investing is something that I really never thought that like I could do. I could wrap my head around. I could understand and actually um, just build wealth around. You know, I just never was taught that growing up and then just felt really intimidated by that whole world and thought truly it was like a man's world. And um, so I'm really excited. So many questions. I'm curious, like just as far as like your investing journey, like when when did it start? And were there, because I can imagine a lot of people listening are like, how the heck? And are like kind of jumping over their own mental roadblocks. Like yeah. what were yours before you started? So many. All the stories that I told myself that a lot of the mean girls inside all of our heads tell mm-hmm. us about money. I don't have enough money to start. I'm too old. I don't know math. I mean, these are all stories we tell ourselves. I love that story. You don't know math. <laughs> right? It's true. It's people say So it. many yes. women will tell me, like, I'm bad at numbers. I'm bad at math. I'm yes. like, bitch, a fifth grader could do the math yes. that is required to start investing and grow your own wealth. And by the way, I don't look at stock charts all yes. the time. I just set up a system once, set it and forget it. Like, I like to keep Mm -hmm. it basic. I have a lot of other shit to do. And I kind of keep the investing stuff simple and kind of lazy. Like I don't, I don't put in a lot of effort into it. If you put a fraction of the amount of effort that you put into finding the perfect pair of boots for the fall season or to plan your next vacation, then you'd be fine. Totally fine. And by the way, there's not a lot of issue with knowledge out there. Knowledge is everywhere for finances. Books, mine, others, articles, podcasts. Knowledge isn't power. It's action that's power. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's people get overwhelmed with so much information. And I guess with their thinking of where to start, a lot of things that start stop people is they don't feel like they have enough money at the start to maybe cover all their expenses or they feel like they're living paycheck to paycheck. So what would you suggest for folks that that think that? So it's not a lot of money. You actually don't need a lot of money to make a lot of money. You need the most time possible. And so I had a marketing campaign when the book first came out that said something like, I'm glad I did invest earlier, said no one ever. No one's like, I'm so happy that I didn't put money into my (laughs) IRA in my 20s. No one. You never regret a workout and you never regret putting a little bit money into an investment account. So for easy math, uh, to illustrate how time really matters in this equation, 100 bucks a month. I'm not talking about a lot of money here. So 100 bucks a month, if you put that in to something that tracks the market. So like an index fund, we can talk about what those are. An S&P 500 index fund, for instance, which is just something that has a smattering of the stocks in the S&P 500, the greatest 505, by the way, bothers me, but there are 505 Mm -hmm. in the S&P 500. And so you're tracking that entire index. So if something goes down, something will prop it up. A hundred bucks when you're 25, by the time you retire, you'll have a million bucks. So when when you're 60, 
if you put money in 10 years later, and that would just be a difference of $12,000, you'd have $300,000. So that's a difference of $700,000 just from compound interest. And compound interest is amazing. It's where your interest makes you money. Mm -hmm. It works on itself. And we're used to this concept because we know how our credit cards can fuck us over big time with compound interest, right? It grows out of control. So why not use that same force in your favor that's been so often used against us in the financial world? So putting money into something like an index fund, what else can you leverage for compound interest? So my book is set up from the least risky to the most risky investments. Mm -hmm. So the more risky, the more rewards you're going to get and the more interest that you're going to make. So if you're putting your money in the market over time and not accounting for the ups and downs daily, you're making 10% or 7% inflation adjusted over time. And so you can try riskier things that make you more money, or you can try things that are less risky, but like a CD or a money market fund or a money market account or bonds that get you 3% interest or 4% interest or less interest. So it's a balance between how much risk you want to take and how much you get back in interest. Mm -hmm. Okay. For the investing, is there, and this is, I don't even know, actually, I just use Vanguard because that's what my family always used. Is there like, do you have a platform preference or a company preference? Like for people, can there be an understanding of because if you're saying you're invest in like a CD or an IRA, I think people don't even know where to go from a brand or company perspective. So the thing you need is a brokerage. Uh, and a brokerage is different from a regular bank account where you pay your bills uh, to something like a Vanguard. That would be a brokerage. Schwab would be a v- brokerage. Fidelity, E-Trade, any of them. I don't have a preference. Um Some of them want to pay me to say that I have a preference, but my preference is the one you're going to actually use most often. That's my favorite one for you. And for whatever reason Mm -hmm. that is, whether it's because your family has it, because you like the UXCY, because you like the color, because whatever, as long as you use it, that's the one I like for you. Honestly, they're all pretty much the same, except I hate uh, Robinhood. Yeah, same. Because... Mm. It really brings, I think, too much gamification into finances. I really like to keep it boring. If you want to have fun, go on Tinder, read a tabloid. Like, (laughs) don't play Mad Gab, right? Play words with friends. Yeah, Yeah, go wild. Like, because it hits on that like addictive part of your brain. And they've actually seen really steep increases in gambling addictions. Like with the amount of um, gamification of mm. um, gambling is now legal in most places. There's things like that, crypto. Like it's just like so easy to access things to gamble with and it just completely takes over. Mm-hmm. I had somebody on my show talking about Robin Hood saying that there are two industries that call their customers users, drug dealers and wow. internet companies. Wow. And the fintech companies are that. They're using the same type of dopamine tactics that Facebook is using to keep you addicted. And their algorithms are showing you riskier things. And you're buying this idea that you can get rich quick. And honestly, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. I go back to like the old adage or dad joke or whatever, if you want to double your money folded in half. 
It truly is. Like, keep it boring. Mm-hmm. I know that everybody wants a quick fix to everything. They're just not for mm-hmm. finances. So you said your systems are boring and also don't take up too much of your time. Like people, if people are worried about learning about everything and spending so much time or having enough money, can you give us an example of what like your systems, like automations yeah. that you have that really help you to be a consistent investor? Totally. So I like to automate all of the things. And so as you see from Miss Independent, I call it a Miss Independent fund where you can allocate a certain percentage and decide what that is. You can do 100 bucks like we talked about before. You can do 10%. You can do whatever it is so that it's being put to work before you get a chance to buy those boots or take another vacation. And you're doing something for yourself. You're putting your oxygen mask on first before you even have the chance to take it off. And I like to set up direct deposit into a brokerage and a very, you know, basic investment of an S&P 500 index fund um, that Warren Buffett says is the greatest investment Americans can make. In the book, I don't know if you got to that part, but he put it in his will for his wife to put a majority of his money in there. And wow. so it's really wow. hard to beat the market. A lot of people say they can, and I keep it super real, as you guys know. Um, a lot of the Morning Star reviews are bullshit, like any of the reviews, right? Like, can we trust all the Amazon yes. reviews? <clears throat> Not so much. And the same thing with finances. So I like to set up an automatic uh, deposit into my brokerage account. And again, I keep it really simple or into... Uh, bond funds, mm. which are even less sexy. Less sexy. So, <laughs> my grandpa was like on bonds over the holidays. He's like, you know, you should really get into bonds. There's a bunch of great utilities here in Florida, <laughs> and I'm doing my bonds with. I'm like, no, absolutely not. It's bonds and chill. Index bonds funds and, and chill. chill. It's like if we get quiet, he's like, so what about these bonds? <laughs> well, he's not wrong. I, I mean, there also are a lot of tax advantages to bond funds, municipal. It sounds like he's talking yes. about city, state, yes. or local. What are, the, yeah. what are the tax benefits? So depending on the state, you can, if you're investing, let's say, yes. in a muni bonds or municipal bonds, so you're buying something locally, then you can get credits for your state taxes because you're helping the state. So bonds essentially are like an IOU. So all that means is that you're giving a government or a company money to do stuff with if they want to build a bridge or, you know, if the company wants to expand and buy a new plant, they issue bonds. And so when people buy those bonds, they're an IOU. And if you are going to lend them money, they're going to give you a little love in return. Now, the riskier the bond or the issuer. So junk bonds used to be a thing. Now they're called high yield bonds, which I think is a euphemism for junk bonds uh, because they were the most risky. So they gave the highest reward. So bonds are rated um, on standard and poor scale. So AAA is the highest. So U.S. Treasury bonds would be the most safe. If the U.S. Treasury bonds didn't give you your money back, then you'd have more issues than not getting your interest payment back. Like, the world is over. The apocalypse is happening. Zombies are coming Mm -hmm. out to play. So, uh, with bonds, it's essentially the, you know, the greater the risk, the greater the reward, but the risk is 
still, it can still be real with bonds, but I don't think that's what you guys were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to do some bonds. I think something that people are thinking about and myself as well, like there's been this just looming conversation about the market where the market's going to crash. Like people, it's just kind of been in the collective where people talk about it. People are kind of waiting for it, waiting for it to shift. So what are your thoughts on that? And like, what would you say? Because I've even thought, I'm like, do I want to invest all of this money that I have in my checking into something that could change? Like, what do you say to that? I say that you're losing money in your checking account right now. So inflation typically grows at 3%. And inflation is only, you know, what stuff is going to cost you tomorrow costs more than what it cost you yesterday. So like, how much was it to get into a movie when we were kids? Mm -hmm. Five bucks. Right. Yeah. 28 bucks now. It's crazy. And I left after five minutes. It's gross. Yeah, I don't like to go to movies. Same. Try so, to see The Matrix. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. And that's not even with candy and all the yeah, fun we stuff. We brought Smart Sweets. So oh, it's whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but if you transport baby Krista, like, she's not getting into a movie. Yes. And so that's all inflation is. And so if you're putting your money in a in your checking account, Krista, like what are you getting? Do you know the percentage of interest? Point zero zero three. Exactly. I just made that up. Yeah, but it's it's probably it's right. low. It's mm -hmm. super, super low. And so, so by true. leaving it there and just getting a little baby bit, you're losing money and you're losing your purchasing power over mm. time. So that's why you don't want to keep more. I don't even think your entire emergency fund in your checking account. But yeah, a lot of women do that. They keep their money in a checking account because of fear. Women are more scared and risk averse than men. That just is what it is. And we have to talk about it. We have to deal with it. But you're not alone in wanting to do that. And what I would say to market crashing is that we have recovered in U.S. history from every single recession and depression we've ever had. This is what the markets do. You know, markets go up, markets go down. You don't get off in the middle of a roller coaster. You sign up, you take the ride, mm -hmm. buy the ticket, take the ride, take put the, the blinders on. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Have you noticed any trends, I guess, that would indicate anything predictive? Like, are there any trends like with inflation matched with the real estate market or something? Like, Ooh. is there anything that you're sort of looking out for where you're like, huh, this seems a little worrisome? The most worrisome factors to the equity markets or the stock markets are geopolitical shocks and black swan events. And that's just what economists people call events that you can't account for and things that aren't measured like unemployment rates, which are lagging indicators or inflation or other metrics like, um, you know, consumer prices or whatever economists are looking at to predict. A random, you know, terrorist attack or something like that is going to fuck up the markets more than studying all of these other mm. economic indicators. And so, you know, the war, that's why you're seeing a lot of issues with the market for the war yeah. in Ukraine because markets hate uncertainty. We saw this for the presidential election. Markets didn't care like who the president was. They just wanted a president. And so markets respond the mm. best that way. But again, if you're doing long-term investing and you're doing something called dollar cost averaging, which is basically putting in little bits of money, uh, at consistent intervals, like I was mentioning, you can do with direct deposit, then you are accounting for the general levels for that period of time. So you're not worried about buying high 
or buying low. You know, the one adage and truism on Wall Street is buy low, sell high. The problem is that we don't know when the high is and we don't know when the low is. So dollar cost averaging, like for easy math, let's say you had $12,000, you would put instead of $12,000 in the market one day, you would put a hundred bucks or a thousand bucks a month. Mm-hmm. And so you would you know, basically get the average of what those 12 months did instead of, you know, hoping that you were doing it on the best day. Mm. So if you put 12,000 in in one large sum, you wouldn't have the benefit of the compound interest that you would get by doing 1,000 over 12 months, right? Or no? No, you would more just risk buying at uh, a super low of where the market level is. So, you know, let's say the market is at... uh, 20,000 mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, then over the year, it could go up to 21,000. It could go down to 18,000. So that's what mm-hmm. markets do. They mm-hmm. jump around. And so on that specific day that you're going to put that money in, you don't know mm. in the range because you don't have the benefit of the yeah. perspective of the whole year to know when to jump in. Got so it. that's why instead, uh, I would put uh, more money in more frequently Mm -hmm. so that you're hedging for the fluctuations of where you're buying in. Okay. Okay. Got it. I think there's an energetic too with that where you're like continuing to put more, like continuously investing in anything, whether you're working out in a relationship or, you know, you're kind of continuing to nod to that as like an important part of your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think, you know, the automation is so important because I feel like we have- especially we as women have so many things that we have to like manage, think about. But I just feel like the automation creates space in the brain, less stress around money in my experience. So I'm curious, like if people want to set goals, how how much goal setting is healthy? How do you recommend that people set goals? Because I, I do find inspiration and motivation when I set financial goals, but sometimes I get overwhelmed. So is it the big goals? Is it the small goals? How do you approach financial goals? I like to break them down into one, three, five, seven, ten-year increments. So in Rich Bitch, I talked about the three E's. So essentials, end game, and extras, where 70% of what you're making goes to your food, your housing, your transportation, all that. And then 15% to the fun stuff, the extras, and then 15% to the end game. So Miss Independent really zones in and double clicks on the end game part and says, okay, well, here's what you do with that amount. But goals have price tags. So I do love a good reverse engineer to figure out what you want and then figure out how to get the money to live that life. And also realize that some of the things are not as expensive or out of reach as you think when you finally tally it up. So if you want a private plane, like even go to the most extreme or if you want a helicopter or whatever, and you think I could never get that? Well, really ask yourself, like, do you want a helicopter twice a year? Do you, Are you really going to use it? Could you mm. rent it? And if so, let's break that down into small increments and figure out how to get that. So figuring out the spirit of what you want and then figuring out the financials to get to that spirit is really important versus saying like, I just want a million dollars cool. What are you Mm going to do with that million dollars? I don't know. Maybe you need more. Maybe you need less. So first, figure out the life you want. And I think that for me, one, three, five, seven, ten, your goals is really helpful Mm -hmm. um, because it's not, you know, too far out. And it's it's like Goldilocks of, of goals. And I will say for Krista, what you said about 
you know, the consistency and the energetic nature of doing it regularly or having a routine about putting in money. I think a lot of the um, practices that we use for our emotional health can apply for our financial health too. And our financial health is a huge part of our overall well-being and our overall health. So even if you think about gratitude journaling next to the thing that you're doing every day, like maybe you do a financial gratitude journal and maybe you're grateful for those financial things. And maybe you, you know, you're incorporating it into other practices that you already have because you're right, you know, consistency is is the most powerful mm-hmm. in in any of these wellness areas. Yeah, it's like having respect for money. And I think it's like when you're younger, you're growing up, you're like, you need, you feel like you need it. And it feels like this like tumultuous relationship where it's like, you want it, but feel like you can't obtain it and don't know how to get it and feel like only a certain amount of people will have money. And when, you know, you start to really respect and be in right relationship with money and have gratitude for it and do these like practices that, can be really ritualistic and beautiful. It just becomes like less stressful. And when I stopped having money stress, I mean, it's crazy. I really, I was like, wow, I really have so much compassion for people that are in money. You know, I've had years of that and it is lingering. Yeah. It is like constant. Well, it affects everything. It can affect, yes. it can manifest physically, it affects your relationships. Yes. It affects your self worth. Yeah, it's pretty pervasive. Yeah, it is mm-hmm. like, it's the worst. So to be out of that, I'm like, it's so mind-blowing. And what I've also realized is that the more money I have, the less I spend. Like I realized when I had less money or I wasn't making as much, I had like a this ravenous desire to spend. And now I'm kind of like, I don't really, you mm-hmm. know, because I know I have, I do not want. Mm. And when I didn't have, I wanted and yes. I would spend. And it's so interesting. So true. We're coming to it from a place of abundance, yes. right? And and aspiration versus deprivation. Mm. And that's everything. You know, you guys talk all the time about your mindset mattering in so many areas of your life. I think your mindset matters so much in money. It's all the stories you tell yourself. And it's also sort of the stoicism idea that we're suffering more in imagination than in reality. Yes. And that's why I think that you know, once you finally get it out there, whether it's figuring out how much those big goals are and realizing it might not be outside of your reach. It's only in your reach if you grab for it. Um, And, you know, opening your bills might not be as scary as you think. Like once you finally do it, then so much of that fear and that anxiety is lifted, right? Because it's the hard thing. And then it's like all the shit we tell ourselves yes. on top mm-hmm. of the hard thing yeah, that the we stories. have to exactly. 100%. Exactly. I had to listen to one voice note yesterday and it took me an entire fucking week and I after I listened I was <laughs> from like, an accountant no, or something? No, it's from someone I know. <laughs> I just like fucking, I just get these weird things where I like cannot do I something. And mm-hmm. I, afterwards I was like, yes, bitch, I fucking did the thing. <laughs> and I think people, when they start to do stuff like money, it just becomes so empowering. So just to, put a bow on this part before we move on with the investing. So you suggest them getting an account with either Fidelity, Schwab, Vanguard. Um, what was the last one? E-Trade. Yeah. E-Trade. <clears throat> yeah. Which is a brokerage. And then they or can take whatever amount feels good for them, whether it's the 15%, you know, from their um, income that they're making and invest it into one of the brokerages. You recommend S&P 500. Index funds. Yeah. Index funds. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so you can do that, you know, now today and just kind of set it and forget it. Absolutely. Perfect. A plus. Love, love. I've been reading. (laughs) I love it. And with the hard thing, you know, it's 
what I talked about in my last book of the Mark Twain quote, eat the frog. Like, if you have a hard thing to do, do it first. Yeah. In yes. the day. As, if, if you can. If you That's have true. two frogs. I mean, this is coming from a vegan, so like, don't actually eat a frog. But <laughs> how is that even a bigger quote? Frog? I know, right? Like, how did that apply to doing it's the hard Mark thing? It's Mark Twain, of course. <laughs> <laughs> quote, you know his quote, eat the frog. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Listen like, to the voice now. <laughs> and then eat the soup? <laughs> what? <laughs> but it's true. You should do the hard thing first. And what? succeeding in that becomes, right? Yes. It becomes addicting in a good way. Yes. Yes. What is your hard thing in the morning? Like what's been like lately where you're like, I got to do this hard thing? Actually, for me, it's taxes too. Oh, yeah. My tax stuff has been really frustrating me. And by the way, just because I know a lot doesn't mean I know everything. And I'm still learning and growing. And I think money being a language, just like anything else, this one keeps evolving. So I snuck in uh, NFTs and crypto and stuff into this book in the last minute. But that was not a thing when I was writing Rich Bitch. And so that's why, you know, in the back of all of my books, I rewrite financial dictionaries to decode some mm. of these jargony words, because as you know, I don't speak in jargon, that will come up in your financial life. Maybe not now, but maybe later if you're buying a house, if you're whatever. Um, and it keeps evolving. So yeah. that's why it's important to have a baseline as soon as possible because you're going to continue to add to it. So yeah, for me, the hard thing lately is uh, some annoying tax stuff that I also don't love dealing with. Mm -hmm. Do you have Just, someone else do your taxes? I do, but yeah. a lot of it I try to understand and do myself mm -hmm. because, and this comes up with entrepreneurship. I, I think we talked about this on another show where a lot of entrepreneurs say, I just want to do the creative thing. I just want to design the clothes or like cook and I don't want to do the finance thing and I'll just like outsource that to somebody else. And you've figured out harder things in life. I've figured out harder things in life than dealing with this random tax issue that I have from like moving from New York to California mm. that I have to unravel. And I was finding myself writing a bunch of emails to my accounting team and them not being on it or as thorough as I wanted. And I had so much anxiety, like, really build up. Um, and I put it off and I was like, okay, well, this is their job. They should do it. Mm -hmm. And then actually this week, I put my big girl pants on. I'm like, fuck this. Like I'm calling the labor department myself. Wow. And I full on did. And I was like, dude, you know, I, listen, all experts don't take their own advice 100% of the time. If they tell you they do, they are lying. <laughs> I 100% don't take my own advice 100% of the time. Uh, and this time I was like, I gave myself a pack talk. I'm like, you are the rich bitch. Like, yes. you got this, girl. You call the labor bureau. You're like, hello, it's rich bitch here. <laughs> <laughs> Reporting for duty. But it does build that, like, it builds confidence. It builds self-trust. Yeah. It builds, like, that momentum of, like, okay. And then when yes. I know them, I was actually amazed at how simple this process was. Also, they answered the phone. Wow. I talked wow. to this that's, guy named that Rick. That me. Because right? I'm like, they're not going to answer. I know. Exactly. And I called. I Well, the first number was busy. The second number, they answered. A man named Rick uh, answered the phone. I told him that I was scared by this particular tax letter. And tell me what to do. And I asked a thousand questions. And he was actually quite lovely. He asked me to fax something over and who has a fax machine. Yes. But I figured that out too. Wow. And I wrote it to attention, Rick. And then somebody called me and, and couldn't read something I said. And she was like, this lovely woman named Nicole. We had a moment. Wow. It was fine. I was so proud of myself. 
That's yes, awesome. it is. It's the best feeling in the world. Yeah, but truly. listen, I I don't get like I'm not all about finance all the time. I didn't grow up in finance. Like I just want to get it done and move on. And that's why I wanted to give everybody else the cheat code. I was mm-hmm. like, this is not that complicated. Mm-hmm. And but I'm not pretending that it's funsies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah, it's not. So it's like the unsexy <laughs> parts that like allow you to have that like that's right nice life. Yeah, that's right. the life that you love. I'm curious, like, I mean, investing is traditionally more of a man's totally. world, but have you read studies or just noticed the tendencies um, or behavior of women when they invest and like the differences there? Yeah, they're way more risk averse, way more risk averse. Mm. Like saying exactly what you said, Krista, Thank you, you know, that I'd leave my money in my checking account because mm. I'm scared, is the market going to crash? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, studies have shown that little boys associate these words of abundance and power with money and little girls associate scarcity. Mm. I mean, we have been socialized for so long to believe this is a thing a guy can do. And truthfully, like, guys don't know anything more than we know about money. They just talk about it more and they talk about it more confidently. Yes, true. It's so true. Yeah, I find that... um, and there's there's less there's less like judgment around that for men. I don't know what it is about like maybe it's the comparison syndrome that women often yeah. kind of take on when it comes to like lifestyle, wealth, you know, beauty, all these things and I think like money is so closely tied into tied into that, but I can imagine that like if you know, obviously reading a book like this and just getting really acquainted with and confident in our investing with our money. I mean, shit, I feel like the whole system would change if women really got this under their belts. And I'm not saying they don't, but like just we're more confident and more like kind of present in this world. Yes. I mean, too many women have reached out to me and and said that they've stayed in abusive relationships because mm. they're too scared of supporting themselves. Yeah. You know, or leaving a shitty, toxic job. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I think that money gives you the freedom of making those choices in mm-hmm. your life. Yeah. I mean, if you look back in some of your, fin- you know, romantic relationships, if the finances were different or if you had a trust fund, would it be different? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is no, you're a better woman than I am. But I think we have to be really honest in the way that we have approached money to today. Like I talked about in Becoming Superwoman, I love me some DBT. And I think a lot of the emotional work translates over to financial work. Forgive your former self for what she didn't know, but also give your future self some tough love because it's not okay moving forward. So we forgive her for like burying her head in the sand, whatever, not dealing with her taxes or the labor department or whatever. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, you know, we forgive her. She did the best she could with the information she had. Mm -hmm. But now she has more information and it's not Mm -hmm. okay moving forward. Okay, let's talk crypto. Let's talk about NFT investing. You said you added it to the end of the book. I see it in the the little dictionary part, which I really respect and appreciate. So what were your thoughts when you were adding it? Like, what was your initial just vibe when you first started thinking about, let's start with crypto? I... Think of crypto, and it's in the last section that's the most risky investments. 
because it's so speculative. I think that everybody should keep their crypto investment to 1% of their net worth. And everybody has a net worth, not just rich people have net worth. So just assets minus liabilities. So all the stuff you have minus all the stuff you owe. That's your net worth. And if you want to play with crypto or put some money in Bitcoin, or if you've already done so, I would just keep it to that because you can afford to lose 1%, but you kind of also can't afford to miss out on the idea that 1% becomes 100. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. get that. But I just really caution against, you know, this idea of like the get rich quick and this hype around, you know, getting into crypto to, you know, circumvent a lot of the other Mm. more boring parts of finances, but are like steady and consistent. So I just, I worry about some of that rhetoric and that's why I would put Mm -hmm. some parameters or some boundaries around it. Sure. Have you invested in crypto? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Mm. 1%. 1%. (laughs) With Coinbase? (laughs) Actually with Public. Oh, yeah. I love yeah, public. I love public. We love public. Yeah, awesome. public launched yeah. that recently. Yeah, it's interesting. And so within crypto, do you recommend certain coins or how do you recommend, like, what, what do you recommend within it? I know. Yeah. I'm so boring. I, I really am. I'm like the missionary position of finance. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like Ethereum and Bitcoin or just Bitcoin? Yeah, I would keep it to the big ones. Keep it to the big boys. Fucking around with the oh, I have like Orchid. I have random ass ones. I'm like, this is six cents. Let's (laughs) let's go. (gasps) We'll see how it goes. (laughs) It's definitely interesting. Yeah, yeah. I don't watch it every single day, but do you feel like regulations? Or yeah, I have Coinbase. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you like it? We have public and Coinbase. Yeah, I kind of like public better, but um, I do like Coinbase's like interface. It's just hard with crypto stuff. You lose your password and you have to like go through like mm-hmm. an entire process. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a serious thing. <clears throat> Huge. I mean, there are companies that, you know, uh, you can hire just to get your password back if you've lost, you know, <laughs> wow. m- millions of dollars. I write a story in the book I don't know if you saw that, but my uh, date with the crypto king, like one of these yes. big crypto guys. Damn. And it, I, I tell the story to illustrate how volatile it is. So this dude rolled around with a whole bodyguard team, like an armored car situation, a bodyguard, like the whole... No way. Yes way. Okay. Yes way. And it, look, it wasn't my jam, but I asked him like why that is. And he said, you know, if I'm kidnapped and somebody puts a gun to my head, like I have the passwords to this mega crypto company. And it's just as fucking wild west as that. Wow. And that showed me just what the, you know, behind the scenes of this is. And I'm not sure if I want to put all my Mm hard-earned money Mm -hmm. there where some guy can get kidnapped and Everything can go on. Was it, was it oh. you or someone told me that the government's like working on different yeah, regulations and they're going to make a coin? There was, yeah, I saw something about the government creating a <laughs> to coin. To the government buying a coin is so funny. They're like, to the moon for the Fed. <laughs> like, why? I'm like, isn't crypto and all that like DeFi so it's like outside of yes. what the government does? I think that's the whole point. Yeah. But also, you know, some of those 
fintech companies that said they were like going to stick it to the man got acquired. You know, Wealthfront got acquired by UBS. So they like became the man for yes. the right amount of wow. money. Don't they exactly. always? They all, Everyone always does that. Like, mm-hmm. I want to change this. And then they're like, we got bought by Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, that was a great acquisition. <laughs> happens all the time. Okay, so NFTs. Same. Same. Yeah. yeah. yeah same. How do you guys feel? I have some. I think they're cool. Huh. I think I like the real world better. Mm-hmm, I do. I liken it to like those little plaques mm-hmm. on the benches. Yes. At the park. At parks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, you know you have it. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. Yeah. But that's it. I know. I, know. I don't have any NFTs. I don't know. I just, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I don't have a, like a strong desire, but maybe I think like sometimes when I'm so focused on like, huh, what feels good to me? I'm missing out possibly on like future, the future blow up, the future whatever yeah, of it. Um, but yeah. I actually I might know. do an NFT project at some point. So. Great. <laughs> right, my I'll Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, the, the off the record but we're on the record. So <laughs> what I think that's not going to make me the most popular person, I think a lot of it, uh, it at the high level is money laundering. I completely agree. And mm-hmm. I think, unfortunately, a lot of people see that and they see this growth and then they put money into it thinking that that could be them. But at yeah. the top, there's some nefarious yeah. Yeah, shit yeah, going yeah, down. So basically what you're saying is that people with large sums of money need to launder money to reduce their tax amount. So then they would inflate it or put it in this type of market yeah. to hide it from. Yeah, or keep it off the grid or buy their own thing. Like, who, how do we know that somebody didn't buy their own $100,000 thing for a million bucks? Yeah, true. Right? I mean, why are we not asking That's with these art. types of questions? Because exactly. they do that with art in general. That's right. Art's huge for money laundering. Mm-hmm. There's like tons of documentaries on it. It's actually fascinating. Speaking of things that we should be kind of like, are there any scams out there that people can mm, be aware of when one. they're investing? So many. I mean, the big, it's not a scam, but the thing to be most wary of is who you invest with. And mm. I have this section that became a little bit controversial because I tell you guys everything, um, Mm -hmm. behind the scenes. And some folks who were helping me with the book said, are you sure you really want to call out brokers? And there's a section that talks about, you know, brokers by another name, a stockbroker, the vice president of blah blah These people are not your friend. They are working for that company. Mm -hmm. And so the only advisor that you should have is a fiduciary. And that person takes a flat fee, um, like a dietitian versus a butcher or a salesperson versus a stylist, right? A lot of the brokers that you think are giving you unbiased advice from these companies are not. They're like the salespeople at Bloomies uh, versus, you know, a stylist who's only looking out for your best interest. And oftentimes, a lot of those folks don't have their own financial lives together. There have been tons of studies yes. shown mm-hmm. that this idea of like the shoemaker walks barefoot or like the, you know, broker of yes. blah blah company mm-hmm. has no 401k or whatever thing that he's actually pushing. So I would just be careful that while it sounds financial and important or serious or whatever, that, you know, you get a card from whomever, a friend of your family's, you know, just be really cautious as to where their motivations lie. Mm -hmm. No, that's a good question to ask. 
Yeah, I completely Always. agree. Do you feel like people need to have support for like an investor, like a fiduciary? Like, do you think that is something that people should think about? What would be the point in which they would need to think about finding support? I think that you can look at it like you would a personal trainer and you can go and get a plan and then do the moves on your own. Uh, or you can work with somebody uh, if you have a lot of complicated stuff going on. And by the way, you know, a lot of good financial advisors are generally the same and truly is who you connect with. I have a script in the book about what you should ask and what you should say to make sure that you're getting the right information. But beyond that, it's kind of like who you can connect with. You know, if you're going through a divorce or something like that, that's going to affect your finances in a major way. And so somebody that you feel comfortable with, you know, and a lot of times women go to their dads or like yeah. a family friend or something like that. And you need to have an open, honest, like non-judgy mm-hmm. relationship mm-hmm. with somebody that y- you would hire as a fiduciary. I actually used some of the questions. We're starting to work with like an FA or like just shop around. and awesome. And I used some of the questions and I, because I'm such a feel person where I'm like, oh, I like you. <laughs> But it's like really helpful to be able to... Yeah, and you're like, oh, they're a salesperson. It's like, fuck. <laughs> but it was, it was really helpful and actually Go started ahead. like very meaningful conversations that kind of helped me more to understand the process and what exactly, you know, it would offer. And it was a woman too. So I felt like also it just felt great better. <laughs> great. Yeah, but it's very interesting. And, and I think to have that support, at least for me, I was like, oh, this this helps me with accountability. This helps mm-hmm. me with like kind of future visioning beyond what like my mind can do. Yeah. And and to your point, work backwards mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah, but a lot of this stuff too, remember, and you probably will as you're going through the process, like isn't above your head. And if they totally. say some acronym or whatever, like you're such a smart human. You mm-hmm. figured out harder things and just make sure you understand it. And if it doesn't make sense to you or like this NFT stuff or whatever, if it doesn't make sense to you, it, it doesn't fully make sense to me. And I consider myself a smart individual. Just, you know, trust that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And these folks that are giving you this advice, yes, they've gone through certifications and all of that stuff. But you know what? You're a smart, capable human. And just make sure that you're also doing your due diligence. But the accountability part is huge. So whether it's a financial advisor or if it's a friend, I mean, that accountability buddy is just like it would be for working out. If I have a friend meeting me at mm-hmm. Barry's, like, I'm going. Totally. If I don't, I'm probably not. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Okay, last one for me about house buying. It's been so funky. I feel like in the past two years, so many people are buying houses. It feels like it's hard to find inventory. feels like it's such an interesting space. What are your thoughts on sort of the trend in the past two years with home buying? So I think a lot of people want to rush into home buying because of interest rates being, you know, ridiculously and historically so low. And I think that doing doing that for that reason, buying a home for interest rates or for a tax write-off is like the tail wagging the dog. Like you need to make sure that your whole financial picture is in the place that you can buy a house and not just these other factors you know, motivating you. It's like when there's like a promo code. You're like, oh, there's a honey code. I'm going to buy this thing I don't need. <laughs> it's free. Yeah, It's not free. Yes. 
this it's the same mentality I think mm-hmm. right now with the frenzy of home buying and I just I, I caution everybody to be careful about that you know we've had a lot of traumas all of us in our mm-hmm. lives personally in the microeconomic sense and the macroeconomic sense right we've if you've lived through the dot-com bubble or the housing crash or the pandemic, you know, you have a lot of financial traumas that you should recognize. And I lived through the housing crash too. And so if you're over-leveraging yourself, like don't let history repeat itself. Uh, and, you know, the, the thing that you should remember is that there's nothing wrong with renting, especially if you are going to be house poor. I hate when young people, especially, you know, they've been told that home buying is the end-all be-all right? It's American dream. And you have $200,000, you know, saved up. You did, you worked so hard to do that. And then you buy a home for that entire 200, put that $200,000 down and you don't have any more money. And God forbid you lose your job or you Mm -hmm. can't take your mortgage to the grocery store. And so if you're looking at your house as a place to nest your face off, and I get it, a, a home is more than a financial decision. As someone who's been like housing compromised in my life, I have feelings about it. And you should honor those. Those are as good a reason as any to get a house, but it's not a good investment. Home is not a good investment. If you're gonna be moving, it's not ideal. There's money you're not gonna get back there when people are like, renting is throwing money away. Well, you don't get your closing costs back. You don't get all the maintenance and other stuff. Mm -hmm. You don't get that stuff back. Houses are expensive. Like, look in the mirror, you fix the roof. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. fix the plumbing. And that stuff costs money. And, you know, I think that if you use that bulk and that lump sum and put it in the market, like we talked about, to take advantage of what Einstein calls the eighth wonder of the world of compound interest, probably make a lot more money than you would by putting that and lose into a house Mm -hmm. and losing the opportunity cost. Mm -hmm. I didn't know Einstein was around when the market was. (laughs) Isn't that weird? Yeah, what about, was he in the 19... Isn't he 1850s? 20? Uh, 1920? You guys, I have no idea. <laughs> Sophie, look it up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Einstein, D-O-B. <laughs> um, are there any, just as a part B to that question, are there any other, you know, tangible investments like a home that you would recommend for the long term besides... A Birkin bag? Yeah, okay. No, yeah, they, there are nice a lot bags. of investments. But yeah, I'm over nice bags yeah. too. That but, was like a whole moment. But, totally. But there are some that do defy Dude, it's crazy. Actually, though, they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chanel bags are way mm-hmm. worth weight. That's actually interesting. Yep. I know you were being serious. I thought you were kidding. No, no, sure. no. I'm being serious. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, having alternative investments, those mm-hmm. are different kinds of assets. You should, of course, insure them. Uh, you know, like you do your jewelry or Cartier sure. holds value. Different brands hold value Got over it. time. Um, and so, yeah, if you want tangible stuff, don't buy bars of gold. <laughs> gold is a good investment. <laughs> Isn't it? Right? And, you know, it's Ish. a hedge against okay. a lot of the shit. that People yes. think that crypto is a hedge against you know, mm-hmm. whatever's mm-hmm. happening with inflation or currency. Um, gold is the OG hedge. Um, but that doesn't mean like stuff your closet with gold bars. <laughs> yeah, or, like, totally. Silver, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can buy commodities in the stock market. 
Uh, that's where I actually started my career when I was 18 years old in the pit of the commodities exchange wow. in Chicago, where I was Sexy. like, wait, there are pork bellies that get traded? That's real? <laughs> wait, what? No, that's wild. Is. For what? Uh, pork suppliers. Maybe. Wow. Soybeans, orange juice futures. I can't. I talk about weird. commodities a little bit, but yeah, in a weird th- world. You can invest in a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> think beyond uh, just the house as okay. an investment. Wow. Okay. Tell us about pork body, pork belly <laughs> commodities. That is so wild. Oh. So the farm would then be like, "Hey, we have extra pork bellies," and you'd be like, "Who's going to buy these?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of agricultural is based on. Uh, futures contracts, so options, Mm. and which is also another sort of like buzzy get rich quick thing. You know, there are some podcasts, there are some books about like buying and selling options and doing a bunch of exotic stuff with investing, which I think is just not a retail investor thing you should do, a retail investor versus an institutional investor. So you and I versus like Charles Schwab. you know, there are complicated measures you can do with options, put options, and call options. I'll, I'll talk about that, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you what they are so you know you can make your own decision, ultimately. I'm good on all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm good on all that. I would love to know, to close, just what you, and this can be outside of this book, but like what you've learned lately about yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, Yeah. Lindsay, what have I learned about myself? Oh, such a good question. Hmm. You guys go first. What have I learned about myself? I guess like just, you know, if we're thinking, say, in the last like year, um, what have I learned about myself? I feel like related to the conversation we had around, you know, doing hard things, I've learned that like I create so much mental gymnastics around hard things. And I'm really, I've learned that my will to do things is just so much stronger than any of that. Yeah. And yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm proud that I can like kind of go head on into some things that in the past have really like intimidated me, stopped me. Yeah. Proud of you. Thanks. I learned that I have a little codependent tendencies. <laughs> I always, because I'm, I'm an independent person, but then there's parts of me yeah. that like energetically can be a little codependent where I put people's needs before my own and I just like always feel like I have to hold the container in every relationship. So I will like do things for that and I will feel like I'll... Um, accept less than the best because I feel like it's like what I deserve or what I need to keep the relationship. So I have like these codependent tendencies that I'm just kind of waking up to. And then for a positive, I've realized that I am a great writer. I love writing. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I've realized if you're not happy here, you won't be happy there. Oh my God. That's that's Mm -hmm. one of my favorite quotes. Uh, I never fully understood that, I think, yes. until recently. Wherever you mm. go, there you are. Yeah. Is one of my favorite quotes of all time because it's so true. It is so true. And I also learned that I should stop hating photos of myself. Oh my mm. God, I know. But how? I used to hate all photos of myself and like I would die for that 
20 whatever year old's body. Like she was so smoking hot and she didn't even know it. Like I would have walked around naked. Mm-hmm. If, I wish y'all could see her right now. I know, honestly. But you just kind of feel you, you know. You just kind of nod like, and laugh. You're like, totally. <laughs> You're never as young as you were today. And like my 80 year old self will look back right now and be like, bitch, you should have walked into this interview naked. 100%. Full on naked. Well, we love you. So the book is Miss Independent. There's Rich Bitch, Boss Bitch, Superwoman, Mm -hmm. and they are all incredible. So we highly recommend you getting them. They'll be in your show notes. We'll share them on our stories. We have another episode with Nicole on the pod you can listen to. And then you have Money Rehab. Yeah. And then what's the other pod? Hush money. Hush money, baby. Two pods out. Killing it. All over. We love you. So many pods. Yes. So good. All right, guys. You. We'll see you later. Love Bye. ya. Thank you so much, Nicole. We love you so much. Again, the book is Miss Independent. It is out now. You can get it where all books are sold. And you can follow her on Instagram at Nicole Lappin. And thank you to our sponsors for this episode. Thank you to Daily Harvest, my favorite. I mean, I eat Daily Harvest. I do all day, every, every meal. Day. <laughs> uh, their bre- their flatbreads are bomb. I love them. Uh, better help if you're looking for a yes. therapist issue. If you're creative out there, issue and- real fast. Mm-hmm. I've been getting my website redesigned. My designer showed me how all these bloggers use issue on their website. It's insane. They make so, these little like guidebooks that exist embedded on their site. It's mm-hmm. so cool. Yeah, it makes it makes beautiful readers. It's like PDFs are outdated and Issue yes. just makes your content so beautiful and they repurpose it for every it's platform. Sick. Thank you to Milk and Honey. Yes. Oh, their products, y'all. Your skin is going to be so happy. I like their deodorant. Mm. It's like a cream. It's like a, you use your fingers to put it on. It is the best mm. deodorant ever. And base. So if you're yes. looking to test maybe your sleep, your energy. Hormones. Hormones. Base is our go-to. Love them so much. You can find all discount information in our show notes as well as on almost30.com. We love you guys. Thank you for being a part of our lives and our community. We will see you on the next one. See ya. Bye.